The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Guys, welcome to church this morning. My name is Shane, if you don't know me. Uh, I have the opportunity of continuing our series, Looking at a Child is Born. Uh, I can't believe it's already December. Is everyone surprised that we are already in December? 2021 has flown. It's absolutely crazy. Less than three weeks until Christmas. As you can see, I have a Christmas shirt on. Um, I didn't really have a choice in this. Kylam just kind of threw it at me and said, this is what we're doing this series. And so I wasn't too disappointed. I love Christmas. I'm one of those people that will start listening to carols in August if it's okay. And it normally is okay, so that's fine. And then we'll set our Christmas tree up as soon as we possibly can. Um, But yeah, like I said, this morning we are continuing this series. Last week we looked at how this child is our wonderful counsellor, how he inclines his ear towards us, how he listens to us, but also how he helps us see the truths of who he is, that he is good and that he is in fact wonderful. And this morning we turn to the next title given to this child, uh, this child as the mighty God. And so before we get into that, I'm just going to pray and then we'll continue on. Lord, thank you that you have come to us, that we can celebrate during Christmas the child born unto us. Lord, that you are indeed the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And I just pray this morning as we look at how you are strong and powerful and mighty, that we might also see how you are good and loving towards us, and that your power is used for our good and your glory. I pray you speak through me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we look at these four titles, like Kylam said last week, they're not just names given to this child, but they are attributes of his personality, of his character, who he is, and ultimately what he will do here on earth and forevermore. And so this week we turn to the mighty God, how God is strong and powerful, and this word reflects some kind of warrior element to it. So that this child, Jesus, in fact, is strong and powerful and our warrior. But before we get into looking at how he is mighty, I want to look at the second part of this name. The God element, how this child born unto us is, in fact, God. The creator of all things, the one who is above all things. And we need to look at this in the context of how it was written. When Isaiah prophesied about this child, his audience was in distress The people were coming around them. Armies were threatening their life. They were in destruction. They couldn't find a way out, and they were just waiting for their death. And then Isaiah says, it's okay. A child is coming for you. And you can just imagine them rejoicing. As Isaiah says, the government will be upon his shoulder. And then he goes on to say he will be the everlasting father, the mighty God, the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace. And you can imagine them saying, wait, did he just say, God? Did you say mighty God? Is this child coming for us God himself? This would have been a crazy prophecy at the time, that this child coming to them was in fact God Almighty. We see that this is not something they were expecting. They were expecting a Messiah, one to come who would rule and reign, a king strong in battle to lead them out of their situation into freedom. This Messiah that they were expecting, though, was an earthly king. And yet Isaiah says, no, there is a king coming for you, and his kingdom will be greater than any kingdom you have ever seen before, and he will rule and reign forevermore with justice and mercy. And this king coming for you is God himself. 
is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is coming as a baby, helpless, innocent for you. Just imagine what they would have been thinking in that moment. This cannot be. This sounds ridiculous. Is God really coming for me? See, people see this verse and they say, it's not enough to claim that Jesus is in fact God. And it's true. We don't rest Jesus' deity on this one verse. There are so many more passages in Scripture that talks about Jesus being the great I am, the God Almighty. But Isaiah, as he prophesies here about this child, he uses the phrase El Gabor, which means mighty God. And only one chapter later, in chapter 10, he uses the exact phrase again when he talks about this group of people returning back to Yahweh, to God. It says they will go back to God, the mighty one, El Gabor. And he uses the exact same phrase. See, Isaiah might not even known it in this time, but the child he was prophesying about was God himself. He was saying, guys, don't worry, God is coming for you. How crazy this must have been for them to experience. We read in Philippians that Jesus, though he was in the form of God, he did not account equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. This is our God. He emptied himself. It says, he goes on to humble himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is our great God who emptied himself for you and for me, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. Our God put on flesh and came to earth as a baby in a manger. It goes on to say in chapter 2, In verse 2, sorry, he says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And then we get to the Gospels and we read that Jesus says himself in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me does not walk in darkness, but has the light of life. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. That's this child given to us is Yahweh, is God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That as we come to this time of Christmas, we don't just celebrate that we get some presents, that there's trees that look a bit better than these two trees, but we celebrate that the King of Kings came to earth for you and for me. My hope is again this Christmas, as we get distracted by those things around us, that we might have this kind of awe once again. That God left his throne, he came to earth as a baby in a manger. See, there are so many things that steal our attention around this time. There's kids finishing school and university students finishing their exams and assignments, teachers finishing their marking before their 73-week holiday. Must be tough to be a teacher. But we are... There's so many teachers in the room. Why did I do that? But there are so many things that distract us at this time. We're planning our Christmas presents. We're trying to figure out what we're doing on Christmas Day with our families. We're sorting out New Year's, what's happening then. Maybe we're just trying to get through the year, the craziness that 2021 has been. But there are so many things pulling for our attention. And my hope, my prayer is that we might stop in amongst the busyness and remember once again that we have a God who dwells with us, Emmanuel, God with us, that he has come to earth for you and for me because he loves us. 
that the King of kings and the Lord of lords left the heights of heaven and stooped down into the depth of his creation as a baby. But we know that this child, he didn't stay a baby. He grew up to be all that he was and forever is going to be the mighty God, strong and powerful and above all things. And so as we look at how Jesus is our mighty God, I really only have two points. I only have two points this morning, so we can do two points. That's easy. My first point is that God is mighty over nature. He's mighty over his creation and everything in it, but also that he is mighty in nature. He's mighty in character and love and goodness and mercy. And because of these two things is what makes him the mighty God, worthy of our praise and our worship. That he is both powerful and powerfully good. That he is mighty over nature and mighty in nature. And so first, let's look at how this God, how this child is mighty over nature. We read in Colossians 1.16, it says that for in him all things are created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Our mighty God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, the invisible and the visible, all things that we see he has created. He created the mountains and the oceans, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea. He created you and me. That's how powerful and mighty our God is, that he brought life into being. He is the great king of all who created all things. It says that nothing was created that was not created through him. But he isn't just mighty to create, he's mighty to sustain. It says that he holds all things together. He keeps the planet spinning, our hearts beating, the wind blowing, the breath in our lungs. He holds the universe and everything together. He is mighty to create, it is mighty to sustain as he holds the world in his hands. But he isn't just mighty to create, isn't just powerful to hold all things together. He also acts mightily in his creation. We read throughout the whole Old Testament of God moving mightily by his powerful hand. And then we get to the New Testament. We see in Jesus continues to do the same thing. As he heals the sick, as he raises the dead, as he calms the storms around him, he turns water into wine. We see God's mighty hand at work through Jesus in his creation. Our God is mighty over nature. He's mighty over his creation and everything in it. He's mighty to create, to sustain, and he continues day in, every day, working mightily in his creation. By his mighty hand. It's hard to just fathom how big and powerful and mighty God is. It's hard to talk about it because he's really really hard to to think about that he has always been, he always will be. He's bigger than we can even comprehend. He is everywhere and anywhere at all times and at every moment. And I don't even understand that sentence, but it's true about God. Because he is mighty and he is powerful. But his power and might isn't like what we would see in the world. 
He doesn't wield his power out of insecurity or to seek approval from others. He doesn't use his power to beat down and oppress. But he uses his power that his will might come about. One of my favorite passages, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible actually is John 18. And it's a strange chapter to be a favorite because it talks about Jesus' arrest. And then it goes on to talk about Peter denying Jesus and a whole lot of fun stuff. But this is my favorite passage, the start of John 18, because it talks about Jesus hanging out in the garden with his disciples, just waiting to be arrested. And we pick it up in verse 3. It says this, Judas had procured a band of soldiers, and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said, Who do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus had said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And then Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. What I love about this passage is we don't often understand how many men were actually there to arrest Jesus. It says a band of soldiers, and other translations says a detachment of soldiers, which when you understand the Roman culture would have been about 600 men, 600 specially trained soldiers coming to arrest Jesus. There was arguments whether they were all there at the time, but the lowest number we can find was at least 200 men. There was at least 200 men specially trained. Think of the modern day SWAT with weapons coming to arrest an unarmed man standing with a group of fishermen. Like how weird is that in this time? But they were threatened by him. They knew there was something about him. And so as these hundreds and hundreds of soldiers go towards Jesus, Jesus steps in, knowing all that's going to happen and says, who are you looking for? He already knows they're looking for him. And they say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he in the English translation. But in the original manuscripts, in the Greek, Jesus' response in that time was, I am. When they said, who are you looking for? Jesus says, I am. The name given to Yahweh, the Lord, the King of Kings. And at Jesus' proclamation of who he is, the utterance of his name, we read hundreds of military trained soldiers hit the deck. They fell back to the ground as Jesus just says who he is. Who are you looking for? Jesus, I am. Boom. How crazy is that? That is the power and might of our God. He doesn't have to wield his arm or anything. He just speaks His name, the name that is above every other name, and hundreds of soldiers hit the deck. I love that picture. Because this is a power beyond anything we can comprehend. But it's not how we would see it play out normally in our world. Because then we read Jesus steps in again and says, Who do you seek? What are you doing on the ground? And they say, We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I told you. I am he. And if it's me you seek, let these men go. And it's a weird thing to think about. If Jesus just told them who he was, 
all these men hit the deck. There would have been a lot of confusion going on. What has just happened? And yet we see Jesus still hand himself over to them. Why? Why would he do that? Well, we read because he wanted his disciples to go free. See, this is what Jesus does for us. He hands himself over. He delivers himself so that we might be go, go free, that the ones he loves might be set free. This is how mighty God who uses his power to rescue his children and to deliver them into freedom. This is our mighty God. This is the one we celebrate at Christmas, the God who fights for us. When we look at this term El Gabor in the Hebrew, we get this picture of a warrior. Think of David's mighty men go into battle for David to do his will, ultimately to do God's will. This is what Jesus does for us. He is our mighty warrior. He is our God warrior who goes into battle and fights for you and for me. Not against human armies, but against death, sin, and Satan. And guess what? He reigns victorious, and he brings life to all those who trust in him. Why? Because he is mighty above all things. We serve a God who fights for us, and he is mighty and able to win any battle that's in front of him. We see in Psalm 24, 8, it says, Who is the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle? That's Jesus. That's this child born, this son given to us by the Father. He is our mighty God. We think about Israel when they were in slavery in Egypt, and then God hears their cries and says, I'm going to go to you and deliver you from slavery and take you into freedom. And we see God's mighty hand at work over and over again as he does miracles and plagues hit Egypt. And then he splits the sea and he leads his people into freedom by his mighty hand. This is God we serve. This is our mighty King. I know there's a few of us this morning who find ourselves in situations where we feel like we just can't get out of them. We might feel like we are surrounded by enemies. Maybe we're just in tough times and we just want it to end, but no matter what we do in our own strength, we can't get out. Maybe there's relationships that are breaking down. Maybe it's health. You're sick and tired of being uh, unhealthy physically and mentally, and you just want it to end. Maybe there's sin in your life that you just keep going back to and you just don't see how you can ever get free from it. We need to be reminded this morning that we serve a God who is able, who is mighty, who fights for us. No matter our situation, no matter our circumstance, God is mighty to move in our midst because he is powerful and he is powerfully good. And so wherever you find yourself this morning, whatever situation you're in, remember that God is greater, that God is bigger, and that he desires to rescue you and lead you out of that into a better place. But it might not always be what we want it to look like. God's mighty power at work in our life isn't always how we want it to be. He doesn't always follow our rules because not only is he mighty in power, he's mighty in wisdom. 
and he knows what is better for us. So let's keep trusting God, the mighty one, our sympathetic high priest, our wonderful counselor. And let's keep praying that he moves mightily in our midst because he is able. But he's not just mighty over nature, over his creation, everything in it. He's mighty in nature. He's mighty in love and compassion and grace and goodness and mercy and faithfulness towards us. His goodness is greater than we can even fathom. Sometimes we question God's goodness. Is he good? Sometimes we question God's power. Is he powerful enough to act? He is both of these things, and this is why he is worthy of our praise. I think sometimes in the midst of our battle, what we need more than a mighty hand of God is to see the mighty heart of God. What we need more when the storm is around us is not just a mighty act of God, but a mighty word from God that says, I am with you. I love you. I have not abandoned you. I think we need to hear this this morning. That when we want God to move, I know there's people praying right now for God to do a mighty work in their lives. And maybe God's desire is for you to see his heart for you that he might step in and whisper to your soul that he loves you and that he is with you and that he cares for you. This last year has probably been the hardest year of mine and my wife's life. And there's been times I've prayed that God would calm the storm around me, that he would stop the waves and the wind beating against me. And what I've experienced more often than not is God actually calmed the storm within me by his peace, by his love, quiet me. Remind me that I'm not alone in this, that he is walking alongside me, that he holds all things together. And I've been able to trust him in this, even though I can't see what is going on in the big picture. But as I trust the mighty God, the storm around me seems to fade as I fix my eyes back to Jesus and be reminded of just how mighty his love is for you and for me. We know that God is mighty in power. He's mighty in character. And we see this as he walks about the earth. We see he dined with sinners and tax collectors. He spent time with prostitutes and outcasts. He welcomed in the orphans and the widowed, and he made a group of ragtag fishermen his best mates. Why would he do this? Because he didn't need to surround himself by powerful and big people because he is powerful and big himself. And he uses this power for our good for his glory, that his will might come about. One of the greatest verses in the Bible, it's actually my wife's favorite verse, it hangs on our wall in our bedroom, is Zephaniah 3.17. I think my wife likes it because it talks about God singing over us. So if you feel like God is angry at you, if you ever feel like God is mad at you, remember this verse, that God is singing over you, not just singing over you, but loudly singing over you. He is rejoicing over you with gladness. What a picture that is. 
that God sings over you. But there is so much in this verse that talks about who God is. It says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love and he will exult over you with loud singing. Our God is in our midst. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us, the God of heaven coming to earth. A mighty one who will save, not just desire to save, but he will save. We see as that Jesus has made salvation possible. That through his love, his mighty love, he laid down his life. And through his mighty power, he rose from the grave, defeating death and sin so that we might have life. Our God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. He will save. Man, this is what we celebrate as Christians here this morning, that God has saved us, that he has taken us from death and brought us into life. Who else can do that? No one but our mighty God. No one else can take a group of dead people and make them alive. And more than that, give them joy and gladness, and bring them together. No one but our mighty God who is able and who will save. And this is the good news of Christmas. This is the hope of Christmas, what we celebrate this week and next week and forevermore as Christians, that the mighty God has come to earth and that through his death and resurrection, we might have life. This is our mighty God. And as the band come back up, I just want to finish with a few things. You might ask, well, what does that mean for us this morning? And I'm so glad you asked that because I've got the answer right here. Firstly, it means for us that in our moments of darkness, in our moments of distress and anxiety and confusion, we have a God who loves us. And his mighty love is greater than anything we've experienced. But more than a God who loves us and hears about our problems, we have a God who is mighty and able to do something about them. So we can trust in this God this morning. We can turn to this God this morning, the one who is able, the one who is mighty in power and endless in compassion. But also Colossians says that this God will strengthen us by his power according to his glorious might that in patience and endurance we might have joy. I think some of us need to be reminded of that this morning that in our waiting, in the moments when we are waiting for God to move mightily, Paul says that we can have joy by his mighty power at work within us. That we can have joy because the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross for you and for me. This is the power that is at work within us as Christians. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. And you're wondering, what has this got to do with me? I would just say, talk to Jesus. Talk to God. Trust him, not because he is powerful, but because he's powerfully good and that he loves you. And that love and grace that you can experience is greater than anything you will ever experience in your life. And I can attest to this. Being dead in my sin and trespasses, then being made alive in Christ, 
is the greatest thing I've ever experienced. And no matter how big your questions and your doubts and your confusion, God is bigger. So I want to encourage you this morning, turn to Him, talk to Him, trust Him. Almighty God who loves you. And lastly, I want to finish with this. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. If you are a Christian here this morning, the good news of the gospel, the good news of Christmas is that we are kept by God's power. That it's not us holding on to God, it's God's mighty hand holding on to us. That we can have assurance as Christians that God will save and will keep us by His mighty power and by His mighty hand at work in our lives. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. This is the hope of Christmas. This is the hope of Christianity. All other religions talk about us climbing up to God, but we see in Jesus a God who came down to us. Extended His hand of grace towards us and then by that same hand holds on tight to us. So maybe you're feeling this morning that you're slipping away. Maybe there's doubts, confusions, you're struggling. I want, to be, I want to remind you this morning that God is holding on to you and that you can trust that His grip is far greater than yours will ever be and that He will not let go of you, that He is with you and that He loves you. So let's remember this morning that this child born unto us is the greatest gift that we could ever experience. Let's take a time in our week to remember the mighty God who left heaven and became a baby in a manger. And that same God acts and continues to act in our lives today and will forevermore until we're reunited with Him in eternity. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. We provide our podcast free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others. But please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC. 